0: Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Keith Anthony Blanchard is on the show with me today. Keith is the founder and host for Center of Light Radio, whose listening audience now reaches 5 million. Keith is the author of several books, including his newest book, Homecoming, Crossing the Bridge to the Soul. As a spiritual teacher, Keith is remarkable in his naturally sincere love and acceptance of all people, which is palpable to those who connect with him. When speaking to a live audience, Keith brings his depth, his gift of deep intuition to attune the conversation to the most immediate needs and desires of his audience. As a live presenter and spiritual leader, his broad and vast spiritual wisdom and background enlightens and resonates with a wide range of spiritual seekers and light workers. Born in Huma, Louisiana, and currently residing in Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Blanchard is a devoted father and enjoys a lifelong career as a professional musician in both contemporary music and with his spiritual band, Lavender Soul. Welcome, Keith. Few things to talk about before we get started with today's episode. If you have not subscribed to my newsletter yet, I have some exciting things coming out in the next weeks, months, unclear how long it's gonna take me to get it together, but there will be some stuff coming out and I don't want you to miss it. So head on over to dramyrobins.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And I also wanted to tell everybody about an amazing opportunity with IANS. IANS is the International Association for Near Death Studies, and their 2020 conference is online. This year's theme is Unlocking the Healing Wisdom of NDEs, and the program is packed to the brim with fantastic speakers and experts to guide newcomers and seasoned experiences alike through the mysterious worlds of near-death experiences, spirits, and the afterlife. This conference, again, is online via Zoom, August 14th to 16th, and you can visit iANS.org for more info. That is I-A-N-D-S. And many of the speakers who have been on this show in the past are also members of IANS. It's an amazing organization that really promotes the work, so much of the work that I'm doing on this show in terms of bringing to light many people's spiritual experiences and spiritually transformative experiences. So head on over and check that out. And now to today's show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. So let's start with your story, which is quite fascinating in terms of this, the the voice of God that you experienced.
1: I dated a girl, played guitar, had the girl and the guitar, (laughs) and that was my whole dream. I pursued that. I wanted to be the rock star. So being an aspiring musician, I leaned pretty hard on the girl. She was my transportation, my shelter, my food my money, (laughs) all of that. After 10 years, she said, see you later. I've had nothing invested in myself, it was all external. So everything came crashing down. Well, to back up a little bit, when I was younger, I was an ultra boy, always had God with me. The age of six years old, I was asking very profound questions for a young boy where do we come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And who am I? These kinds of questions. And my life became that unfoldment of those very questions at that early age. But at the age of 15, I was seriously thinking of becoming a Catholic priest. Um, And, you know, then my dad gives me an electric guitar. And a few years later, I met Jennifer in that whole dance I just described. When she decided to call the relationship off, uh, I went back to that very same closet that I stuffed God in when I met her and pulled that power out. I needed it. And I must have done something correctly. I would begin to ask this prayer very fervently, passionately, sincerely, humbly, and vulnerably. I need to hear your voice. Now, though I did this for three weeks to a month maybe, I don't believe the higher-ups said, okay, I think he's now serious. Let's go down there and pay him a visit. I believe, I truly know. It was in my first asking that I opened up a cosmic door. I somehow aligned myself with correct asking. And one morning after playing music at a casino for seven sets, I was just dog tired. Came home, wasn't expecting a dream, much less have this experience. I was awakened out of my sleep by voice that said, good morning, Keith, it's time for you to wake up. Implying both out of your night sleep and your human slumber. I was thrown into a divine experience, an absolute experience. I smelled the voice, saw the voice, heard the voice, tasted the voice. I felt the voice. It was everything, everywhere, all the time. Um, and when it spoke, let's use that word, spoke. It's, it's the easiest one. When it spoke, it spoke in one thought, whole thought, not fragmented, linear thought that thought follows thought that we go through as humans in our head to process. I was impregnated with a packet of light. I call these packets of light that simply over the course of a couple of years, would seep information out into my consciousness that I would log and script into a document. Um, And after about a year and a half of that, in meditation, spirit said, Keith, that's enough of the writing. Now go out and leave these principles because you don't want to parrot things. You want to be solid in these very wisdom nuggets that you are receiving. And so this is how it all started for me. But when I was in that experience, the voice asked me to sit on the sofa, press record on my tape player, and let my mouth move. I've never done such a thing. I said, well, what will I speak about? I said, oh, trust me, the, the, the presence will be present. And out came volumes of the most, not far out, but far in information I've ever received in that point in my life. And so for about eight years, this dance with the divine principle started shaping
0: And did you feel like you, like, how do you know it's God or how do you, how are you defining God? Is it, I mean, you said divine principle. Is it a divine power? Is it source? Is it spirit? Is it God? Are they all one? Like, how do you differentiate those things?
1: At least the ones you name, I don't put, there is no difference for me. It's all that. It was this beautiful love. Non-judgmental. In the present, you knew all the foolish things you've ever done. But guilt was not present. It was just simple. It was just a very, very simple childlike, loving. And I call it God. We can call it grandmother. We can call it whatever we want. It wanted nothing from me except my highest joy. And I use joy always as my barometer to gauge what presence I am with be it a person, be it a spirit, uh, be it whatever, joy to me is always the evidence of the presence of God. So um, where I'm at in my life, the levels of experiences I have had that fill me full of bliss and joy, of course, it makes sense to me that I would use that as my gauge and my barometer, my measurement stick to always say, you know, this is what I'm dealing with, so to speak.
0: How do you define joy?
1: How does anyone define it? It's kind of tough, except the look in their eyes and the smile on their face and how they are with other people, and how they are with themselves, joy. It's that feeling that we've all touched. Many of us have moved into it quite quite nicely, consistently. But it's the return. It's our homecoming. It's that place that we know that exists, that we deserve. Many people, sadly, feel they don't deserve such bliss and joy. And they continue the same modality they've been living in all their life. And sadly, they don't actually have the chance to live while they're alive.
0: I like the concept of joy. Maybe I think we focus a lot on happiness, but I like the concept of joy because there's a play. When I think of joy, I think of a playfulness. You know, I think kids seem to be able to embody joy or exuberance more easily, perhaps, than adults. And so I really like that to, to think about it in that way.
1: It's a very simple template. We've just become difficult in our adulthood. And you know, we must be childlike to enter, to go back. <laughs> and so they become the, the most amazing role models simply by their, their awe, their wonderment, their curiosity, their innocence, their purity. They have no filter. They'll say what they mean until we tell them to shut up or you can't say that or don't do that. You know, I've always said, why does a very young child feel that it can grab those things off of the shelf that was handed down by grandmother, this very uh, old china? Why do they touch it? Because they believe it belongs to them. And it does belong to them until we slap them on the hand and tell them no. And in that separation process, the ego becomes born and they begin to live in the no world. I can't. I shouldn't. I better. I better not. And so that's a heavy spike. I mean, think about this. When we come into this world, the first thing that happens when we come through the womb is we get a slap on hiney. What is our first impression of this world? I and, mean, you know, it brings us to this crying level of, you know, screaming out loud, that's painful. So, I mean, the first memory can be a, a very violent one for a child. Mm-hmm. And the level of imprint, I'm sure, does have some hold in the subconscious to where it does affect a person throughout their life. And then, of course, the behavior follows from the parents and how they instill their children and how they discipline the children. It reinforces that slap or so forth and so on. But it's mm-hmm. children for me. They, they, just, they just light me up.
0: So can you talk about the four selves that you talk about in your book? What, what are they, and can you explain them?
1: The four selves, if you mean the four bodies? Um, or the f- like
0: the s- spirit? I don't remember the yes, rest of them, yes. and I didn't write it down. The but-
1: spirit is the part of us that works in conjunction with us. It governs and flows everything that we need to always be in the process of progress. We're never going backwards. You cannot go backwards. It's impossible. What may seem like moving backwards is still progress. You're always moving forward. The spirit works in conjunction with the higher self to bring about our best good. And then we have the thought body, the mental body. The mental body is that which thinks. I always say what everyone should want to become is that. You mean a crystal ball? No, I mean exactly what it implies. Clarity, purity, nothing obstructing it. Just simple, all those beautiful qualities I can sit here and name, so that when this spirit that I just mentioned, the spirit body begins to push through the filter or no filter of the mind rather, this begins to happen and reality it begins to burn itself into a to the world. And then we become the prophetic heaven on earth children. But the next layer of the mind can either go the way we want or the way we don't. There's a monkey that lives in there, and he wants his banana. He will gripe, and he will be persistent. He will never shut up. He wants his banana, and he wants it now, and he wants a big one. So we have to find a way to quiet the monkey. You can never kill that monkey in the head, nor do you want to, because that very egoic self makes me me. It makes you you. It makes us us, and it's a beautiful quality of individuality. I'm not talking about the ego aspect that is causing trouble. And the next layer that we would move to is the emotional body. The emotional body is that feeling based to the truth. This new world that we're experiencing, the new world that's being birthed from COVID-19 is no longer about seeing. This new place that we're trying to get to is not a world about seeing. It's a world about being and feeling because feeling is going to be our new navigator. It's going to help us to negotiate the mountain and champion the mountain. So feeling is that very barometer that I spoke about. It's a lot more denser than the spirit and the physical, the mental body than we live in the feeling body. Now, one thing about the spirit, the mental and the feeling base in the physical body, which is obviously the meat suit, the bones, the densest part of ourselves is when it comes to a healing or an illness or a disease, the spirit begins to send into the matrix of the individual that something is not right something is out of balance if it's not picked up by the mind because the mind has too much noise then it's picked up in the emotions if it's not picked up by the emotional body the physical body will claim it in such a way that it can no longer be ignored and or denied and then one one will get sick so now that you can see it it gets a little tough to thaw that which has become frozen and or static which is the diseased or the imbalanced thinking or way of being that causes one to get ill
0: how you understand this is that it it starts in the spirit body works its way down into a fi- the physical body that that the that the manifestation of the physical body The manifestation of disease in the physical body in some way is really the manifestation of something in the spirit, mental, emotional, that had not been worked through or resolved.
1: I would say it more this way. I would say it doesn't come from the spirit. The spirit starts the apex to let us know that there is an imbalance. And then when we don't understand it mentally, so the spirit brings it to a a little more denser way because we're dense creatures. And most of us don't have the awareness of the higher mind and the spirit. And so it constantly brings it to levels that we can finally get that we're not doing so well.
0: So how do we we learn to listen to it when it's the spirit versus the physical body, which sometimes feels like too late
1: how do we listen to it when it's the spirit we have to learn the art of being quiet the art of being quiet can people's i i this is what i say about meditation meditation is phenomenal it's it's the basis of all spirituality really it is but is there possibly another way for me meditation implies i'm going to do a something i have a task i'm going to sit and meditate to achieve something that's wonderful that's gorgeous and it's deliciously powerful i say When you do what you love, there's not a doing of something. You are being of something. You are being in love because you're not trying to achieve a space. You are already in this space. So we're trying to get to here only to have it bring us home, to come home. We're trying to find this path by moving forward. When we do find it, we're going to realize it's simply right back where we left. So, the journey of a thousand years, one takes the first step. One takes that first step towards that journey of a thousand years. They've shaved literally 500 years off of their spiritual journey because nothing happens without that first step. Nothing. Absolutely nothing.
0: So, in your book, you talk about tests given to the soul, (laughs) which lead. See, I I warned you before, I pick out these little discrete pieces of it. it which leads to the soul-generating experience and to provide some self-reflection. Can you explain all of that?
1: That's sort of like what we just talked about, how the spirit tries to let us know that we're not in balanced mode. Everything that happens to us is because it happened through us and for us. It depends on perspective, observation, clarity, honesty, all those wonderful words of being real with oneself. When the bad things in life happens, what do you see? Yeah, they're not pleasant. You know, no one gets kicked in the groin, or chopped in the throat, or punched in the heart, or solar plexus. Those things are not fun. But there's always a diamond in the peanut butter jar. The diamond is full of light, but with the peanut butter all around it, it gets clouded and shrouded from those things. But what happens is, when life brings us something pro or con, we're truly the recipient of something that we've launched. So the soul is really omnipresent. It's everywhere. People say God lives within. Well, God lives without as well. There's nothing that it is not except fear. And fear is a construct of our own. God will never meet you in fear. God can't even, it doesn't even exist. So God doesn't dwell in there. It will launch you through it. But the soul is always calling you homework. It's always calling you homework, especially through troubled times. You know, we always see God loving us through kiss on the face. Sometimes it takes a kick in the pants. So the soul is all, like I said earlier, the the higher self or the the spirit is always working in conjunction with the lower aspects of self, self to self reflection. So we can constantly use this as a springboard, a way of seeing where we are in our life. So we can constantly strive for that forward step that eventually brings us right back to where we are here, present.
0: So so the self is the experience Expression of the soul?
1: The self. It depends on what self we're speaking about the capital self or the lowercase self. The capital self would be, you know, people use the word in the spiritual movement, the higher self. But Then again, we as people, this is me, this is myself. So that's why you notice in that passage, you see them as capped and one uncapped. So it's speaking about finding who you are in the dance. Now here's the juicy nugget. People say, well, I want to be the higher self. I definitely want to be the lower self. I'm telling you, that's not true either. That's still duality. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing from a this or a that. The question I pose now is who is this being that feels they have to choose between the this or the that? That's the third component, the most powerful there is, the Holy Spirit. That's which puts everything back into balance. It rectifies the choice, make the making of a choice, the world of duality. I'm, I have. Only these two choices to choose from, this one or this one. I'm saying there's something else that exists that breaks the framework of all confines, which is infinite potential exists everywhere all the time.
0: Right. And if you're aligned with that. Yeah, for sure. Then you're one with that and your soul and yourself, right? So it's all one in alignment with source or in God or however people want to define it based on their belief system, right? Lovely. Lovely. (laughs) <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> now, if I can just integrate that into my life on a daily basis. So you let's talk about fear because you mentioned fear. And in your book, you define fear as false emptiness actualizing reality. I think now is a really important time to talk about fear because fear seems to be where a lot of people are living. Can you, can you talk to me about this?
1: We use fear as a way to protect ourselves from that which we are afraid of. I'm scared of this big dog, and we think it's this tool. We think it's this big tool that we can use to wedge between myself and this thing that is making me scared to death. What happens in a fear scenario like that is you actually throw yourself directly into the jaws of the trap. And it brings it about. Fear is false emptiness actualizing reality. What this means is I have a false sense of myself. In fact, I have no sense at all. And I'm using this nonsensical aspect of myself to try to perceive something that is not real in the first place. So it's a curving within itself of absolute ignorance and fear and darkness and fear turns within itself. Then it creates anxiety. And so-,
0: so can you give an example of that? Like how that would manifest? What that would look like?
1: For example, I'm walking in my neighborhood. In my, in my early years, I had a fear of big dogs. And I see a dog. And first thing I have is a thought. Uh-oh, dog. Second thing I have is a feeling. Big dog. Next thing I have is a judgment. Big dog hurt me. Next thing I have is a, a reaction. Run. <laughs> and my final, uh, my, my intention is to run faster than the dog. And so I ensue this game, and the dog is that soundboard. It mirrors to me, and it brings out. someone else who does not have a fear of dogs will just simply say, come here, boy, and the dog's got his tail wagging. He's all excited. Fear is truly living in non-understanding. Don't get me wrong. I still have things that kind of put me on, my, on the edge of my seat. But mm-hmm. I've learned that, you know, to put myself in the moment, meaning my awareness, okay, Keith, you are afraid of this thing. Find the real you in the fear and the darkness of the, or the fear simply just dissipates because the real me, which is the peace, and the one that is connected to the spirit is the light. So when I find the real me in the fear, it simply just dissipates. It just simply goes away.
0: Hmm. Okay. So the feeling, what you're saying is the feeling goes away so it doesn't have the opportunity to manifest in anything more than that.
1: It's simply a fleeting thought that moves through your head. And you're done with it when you grab the thought thoughts are just clouds that move through the mind any thought you grab without judgment into right wrong good bad good thought bad thought it doesn't matter when you pluck one of these clouds from the string it, you 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 own it now it becomes solidified mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. okay here's a dog i see it i understand it and then now you try this thing come here dog you may not be quite so sure, but at least you don't have a German shepherd lunging at you. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: But yeah, when you grab a thought, it, thoughts are things. When you grab the thought, it becomes reality because you bring it now to a feeling base, which is denser, which begins the manifesting process of congealing it on the earth.
0: Absolutely. Hmm. Well, and that I think, God, there's so many different ways to talk about all of this, right? Is that that then becomes a man, you, you then manifest that, right? Like, is the dog scary or did you manifest the dog? to bite you if the thought is this dog is gonna attack me, you know, it becomes a which comes first argument, right? Like, was the dog gonna attack you and bite you? Or did you manifest, in your fear, manifested the dog biting you?
1: Perfect example is if you ever go to see a band play music, you hear that feedback, that loud noise that makes everybody go, oh my God. What happens is the sound comes out of the speaker back into the microphone. Out of the speaker, back into the microphone, out of the speaker, back into the microphone, and it creates this regeneration process. It creates a feedback loop, and that's why that sound goes off. No different than fear, which how it creates anxiety. It is, some people are so afraid, not only do they just get afraid, they become afraid of being afraid. And this begins to turn this energy within itself, and this stuff begins to biofeedback. And that's why Mm. people feel anxiety and it's in their heart. And they feel like they're having a heart attack because you're suffocating the heart with fear. You are attacking your heart.
0: Well, and then if you think about what ends up being the physical manifestation of that, literally heart attack. Yeah, absolutely. Can you also speak to the the laws that govern us?
1: It's been a while. Please feel free to recite one. (laughs) Sure.
0: Good good thing that I have my the book on my Kindle so I could scroll scroll quickly. The law of gravity, the law of karma, the law of all possibilities, the law of giving. So let's go one at a time. The law of gravity.
1: It's a very real thing until you become a master. I don't know too many people who jump off the of high buildings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are all those people that walk across tight ropes. Hey, good one. And the notion is we're governed by these laws. Is that sort of the the premise?
1: Yes. What did you say? The notion
0: is that we're governed by these laws, like yes, from a... Yes, yes.
1: There, there are a template that says, you can play in this arena, but be very respectful for these things that are set in place. Because, you know, a piece of furniture is set in place. You want to be, you do want to understand that piece of furniture is there when you, when the lights are off, or otherwise you break your foot, kind of thing.
0: Those stub toes hurt. You're right. <laughs> um, then you talk about the law of karma.
1: Divine order. No matter what happens to you, Good or bad, it's called karma. Karma will always kiss you on the face. It follows you like a shadow. When people say, I hope I'm there to see it when so-and-so gets theirs for what they did to me, maybe that same karma then kissed you on your face. <laughs> so karma is in place for it, its divine order. It keeps the divine, it, keep, it maintains order and will always be there. That's how we are... Um, we're held to the principle of karma. If, if, if even even spirit, if spirit was to fudge karma too much, the whole universe would collapse. When there was a greater need, so karma is is law.
0: So how how does that explain that notion that it feels like bad things happen to good people, but bad things never happen to bad people? Quote air quotes bad people.
1: How can this bad person be a gazillionaire? It's because right. they have a resonant tone, a vibration somewhere in their experience, in their matrix, ongoingly that vibrates abundant. The rest of their character might be flawed. You know, w- w- no prayer is unanswered. No prayer is unanswered. Every day of our life is prayer, even unconscious prayer. So we get what we want, conscious or not. God is unconditionally loving and says, yes, you can have it. Now that we're in this new time of change, I strongly heed my warning, whoever you are. Now we're in the garden of eternal playfulness. We're in the space of we all get exactly what we want, almost immediately, conscious or not. Everything you, if you're not conscious of this thing you are emitting, you're going to get it.
0: Wow, that's a warning.
1: It is. And and it's a beautiful warning. It's it's not Mm -hmm. warning like bad. It's like, no, either either way, right?
0: It's power, right? It's very empowering too. Like you could see it either way, the law of possibilities that you say is one of your favorites.
1: Miracles and normal occurrences. Right now, this is a miracle. How is this happening? Of course, there's a greater engine sustaining it all. But yeah, you're part of that engine. You're a part of. You're a piece, a very important piece of that engine. You know how? How are you doing this? How is? Anyone watching this interview, how are you taking all this in and processing it in your in your in your brain and making sense of this and making it palpable and in, in a useful way to apply this in your life so that you can become conscious of these things and see the, these miracles further along in your life. All there is is infinite potential. That's all there is, always has been, and always forever will be. So it kind of gets us out of the fight. We can just sit mm-hmm. back and truly let things unfold.
0: The law of giving
1: that's equal to the law of receiving. There's no separation. It's the same coin. The law of purpose or Dharma. Finding what you love to do and performing it will change your life. It will get you to that there place here now. Doing what you love opens up the key. Doing what you love is the key that opens the lock to God consciousness doing what you love joy is the key that opens the lock to cosmic consciousness
0: well and when you are in that place right you're in alignment which should mean that you are you are e- enjoying enjoy love it j- enjoying your
1: life yeah and we look at something we love to do someone may love to play basketball or cook a meal and next thing you know two hours of playing basketball it feels like 20 minutes and it's over now you go sit in a doctor or a dentist office for 20 minutes it feels like two hours nothing here has changed the time signature has not changed here except one's perception so when you do what you love love god is if god is love and we're doing what we love we're truly bringing that energy of creator through our creative self And we fall into the space of the gate, the cosmic womb, the eternal space, if you will. And time simply flees. It simply just disappears. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it goes everywhere. It doesn't exist. And I know that when you do what you love ongoingly, you're actually keeping the gate open. How does one begin to do what they love constantly? You have to start the journey. Five years from now, you can look back and go, oh, my God, I'm I'm actually a florist now. I've always wanted to be a florist. Until you take the step, nothing happens.
0: And the last one, the law of detachment.
1: You don't own anything. Nothing belongs to you, except everything. And you get everything when you let go of everything. We want to fall into the nothing because in the nothing is the everything. That goes back to the law of infinite potential. When we stop grabbing onto the world and trying to collect things throughout our life, all these gadgets, our hands become very free. Our hands become open. Now something can be placed in it. Something beautiful, that very infinite potential. But not only do we have to stop clutching things, we have to stop clutching ideas. What I think belongs in his hand, what I think is going to mm-hmm. do it for me.
0: I just mm-hmm. become
1: open and available. Mm-hmm. Higher self, God, soul, your best self, your best life, wants what you want in a more beautiful, powerful way. So not only does it re- mean to release clutching of, the, of things, thoughts or things. I want it to look this way in the form of that person or this right. car so detachment means truly surrender. It means well, surrender, it, being good, comfortable with your beautiful self.
0: Well, and I think you sort of said it at the end here, but also releasing attachment to people, right? And I think this is really hard as a, as a parent to not define yourself by your role as a parent and to not have your children, your children and who they are as, a ref, as what seems like a reflection of you in terms of their behavior defining you. So there's a healthy detachment that can occur that can allow your children to be whomever they are going to be if you're not attached to that outcome.
1: A lot of parents believe they own their children. You don't own your children. You are stewards of your children. You're guides for your children. In fact, if anything, they will guide you. And it's simply, you know this as being a doctor, Children don't learn by words, they learn by observation. So, does, so do parents. We all learn by what are words? Words are just a bunch of, bunch of garbled utterances that we use to try to convey an idea. Sometimes we use words to manipulate. You cannot manipulate what you see. I mean, someone cannot, you, you can see someone being manipulative. You know, the eyes take in very honestly and very purely someone's behavior. Even though the, the, even though the speech coming out of their mouth may, may be so incongruent with what they're doing. <laughs> right.
0: So I want to end with this because I feel like it's a perfect tie-in actually to my show and how I talk about things. But you say in your book, birth's intention is not to be born again. And death's intention is to never die again they the intentions of both are the same to give you every change to consciously unify with all that is
1: yes because you know we have this belief that when we die we're going to go back to god and supposedly that's where we came from so god is the beginning and the alpha and the omega and we have two dots we draw a straight line between those two dots what do we have we have just a 175 80 years if you look uh, of playing on this place You know, I've always said that when it doesn't require a person to die to go to heaven, it actually requires them to live. You have to live heaven to experience it. So birth's intention is to bring us here so we can bring that that we left here as part of of this powerful experiment that has never occurred in the universe ever is to be the embodiments of the divine on the earth to bring that heaven here on earth. Jesus was such a being. All these avatars from India, uh, these Buddhist monks, whoever it may be, they are here as these living testimonies. We're all the living testimony. It Dep- depends on, are we truly wanting to awaken and see that the beauty of, of ourselves? Nothing surpasses the beauty that you see when you look in the mirror. Nothing. You are the miracle. There is nothing else. There is nothing. There's no other way about it.
0: Well, thank you for this enlightening mm-hmm. interview. If people want to know more about you, where can they find you?
1: You can find me at centeroflightradio.com. You can find me at keithanthonyblanchard.com. Same website, two ways in. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash centeroflightradio. And you can order Homecoming Crossing the Bridge to the Soul. Now it's available on amazon.com. Keith Anthony Blanchard, Homecoming Crossing the Bridge to the Soul. You can just find me on Facebook. I'm very approachable. I like kissing some cheeks and hugging some necks. (laughs) I I just love people.
0: I can tell it definitely, you're exuberant. So (laughs) thank you so much for your time today and for this incredibly fascinating and in-depth interview, even though it was only for a short period, I think we covered a lot.
1: I'm grateful, thank you everyone. You are loved beyond measure, believe it.
0: Thank you. you. Like what you heard today and wanna hear more?